Yo, um, this is the Kick Knowledge Podcast. My name is Steven. And I'm Zach. And we're two white boys who love to talk about hip-hop. Did I ever tell you how um, I went to a, I I in real life I rickrolled my uh, my girlfriend. Oh nice. Um, there was a like an '80s revival festival. Oh nice. Um, and um, '80s '90s, and it was, <laughs> but it was like terrible. It was like hosted by uh, what's his name um, from like. Uh, from Baywatch, what's his, what's the dude's name? David Hasselhoff. Yeah, David Hasselhoff. <laughs> exactly. And, so uh, weird. And there's like the Venga Boys were there. I don't know if you remember those. And um, anyway, um, for the '80s part, it was uh, Rick Astley was on the lineup. And, oh um, my god. And I sort of like I I I was like, yo, let's let's go to a stupid like I didn't tell her what it was, but I said you have to sort of wear some like '80s or '90s like it's part that's part of it. And she was like. Mm-hmm. A little bit suspect, like, what is this? <laughs> and then I, uh, and we were there, and uh, this guy comes on stage, and it's like, she's like, she missed the announcement of David Hasselhoff saying, like, oh, Rick Astley, she sort oh my of, God. like, didn't, and this dude came on, I see her looking, and I'm like, do you know who that is? Wait, who is that? I said, she's like, no! <laughs> That's so awesome. And um, and basically, at some point, he starts playing a song. Obviously, Never Gonna Give You Up was going to be his sort of closer, right? And <laughs> and he starts this other song of his, which has the same sort of drum break. And mm-hmm. it's like, do-do-do-do-do, and the whole crowd goes wild. And he's like, no, 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 not that one. I know they all sound the same, but got to wait for that one. <laughs> oh, it was beautiful. Um yeah, so, oh yeah, we started talking about that because I, um, because I sang Never Gonna Give You Up. Yeah, because yeah. we rickrolled y'all. Yes. All right, Zach, what's up, man? What's up? What's up? Um, just heavy into thesis writing right now. Ooh. Lots but, and lots of, I don't know, I mean, I, I think I've talked about it, about what my thesis is going to be about on previous episodes. Yeah, a little right bit. now it's about like sampling techniques on Jay Dilla's album Donuts, mm-hmm. and sort of also kind of just his sort of influence on hip hop beat making and hip hop production and all that. Um, but yeah, like I am like halfway through the intro right now and just writing, writing, writing all day every day. Um, and I went back and I found, and I might link it in the description as as long as they're up. Um, but someone's posted a bunch of like unreleased Dilla beat tapes mm. on YouTube, and um, it's nice. like all of his unreleased stuff. At least all the ones that I've been able to sort of find. Track down, yeah, yeah, or track down. But um, but yeah, like I've been going through like all his other beat tapes that were released around 2005, or his beat CDs that he was making, kind of like at the time that he was working on Donuts. Mm-hmm. And like it's it's really interesting to hear sort of like I guess kind of the m- mindset 
like the compositional mindset that he was in, I guess. Mm. Like listening to those, like the 2005 beat CDs, and and then especially like comparing them to donuts, donuts, and like a lot of like similar sort of same era, of course. Yeah, because yeah, one, it was a lot of like flipping, like Motown singles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a lot of weird like experimental stuff that like, and that's what's so fascinating to me about. Yeah, I can't talk specifically donuts, mm-hmm. but um, the, like his other beat CDs that were coming out at the time was like how sometimes it doesn't even sound like a hip hop beat, like it gets so like it's still like always got a groove to it, you know? Yeah. Like there's always like it always slaps in some sort of way. Like there's yeah. always just like, not a in the way it. you might expect from a hip hop beat. Yeah, yeah. Like especially like. I think the best example is on Donuts, like the track MASH is like this weird piano thing and then there's like a Frank Zappa sample and then like, and you're like, what the, like the first time you listen to it, you're like, what is this? Like this isn't even like a hip hop beat, you know, like it's so, it's just this weird sound collage thing and yeah. I also finished um, the, if you guys listen to, or if you guys read the uh, 33 and a third series. Um, right, yeah. So that's is, basically a book series, uh, and each release covers a different album, right? Yeah, yeah. Hence the yeah, name, and they have three and a third. I'm sure whatever your favorite album is, they have a book on it, like from rock and pop to hip hop, and I think there's a couple jazz albums as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I just we we sort of before we start recording, we just scroll through the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah through the list, right? You also have the Paul's Boutique one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Beastie Boys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get that before we? Um, I guess for your the project. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Exactly. An, the an project older... you uh, presented in Cambridge mm-hmm. two years ago. Yeah. Um, on Paul's boutique. Yeah. But yeah, I just finished the book on donuts, and it's so, so good. If you like Jay Dilla, or just you're interested in beat making, or Honestly, if you just like hip-hop, which I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you do. Yeah, you I mean... You need to check you, out... Yeah. You need to check out... Just the way uh, the author, Jordan Ferguson, like, just the way he writes about Jay Dilla and all the people he talked to and the interviews that he sort of gathered. Like, it's just so... It's written so sincerely. It's written so... There's just this, like, air of, like, sentimentality to it. Beautiful. That it's it's om- it's more it's not only like a book about Dilla, but it's almost like a tribute to Dilla. Like an homage to uh, Yeah. Yeah. And just like the way and it really like honestly the majority of the album isn't actually about donuts. It's like mostly about just sort of Dilla's career and like his sort of evolution into um beat making and stuff. And like there's a bunch of like stuff I didn't even know mm. about Dilla. I mean one because there's just a bunch of stuff that was never released or certain projects that were planned that never wound up like oh wait you told me about yeah yeah, yeah. i kind of made uh, a little there was list. this one crazy one right i never heard of yeah, that yeah, yeah um um yeah there was an offer he got an offer and this is according to this book he got an offer to produce i don't know if it was a whole album or just like one track but produce some stuff for nsync which is insane. Yeah. It's not... I don't know. If you think about... Because if you think about Justin Timberlake, 
Yeah, uh, I mean, it's like, oh shit, that'd be kind of tight. Like, that'd yeah, be really I mean, fucking Justin good. Timberlake's work with uh, Timbaland, yeah, with Timbaland, and and uh, he did some f- with the Black Eyed Peas, I guess. Peas, I guess. So, um, but yeah, he he turned yeah, that well, down. I guess Justin Timberlake yeah. isn't the weirdest part. <laughs> some of the rest of NSYNC, that yeah, makes weird. And Dilla refused, or yeah, he turned it down. There's a lot of offers he got actually that he, he turned down. Nseek yeah. was the one that stuck out to me the most because I was like, that okay, that's weird. But um, trying to remember, there was and it's an unreleased track, but I found I might link it in the description as well if it's still up. Um, someone put the track on YouTube, but there is a notorious uh, B.I.G. track. That Dilla produced. Oh, well, it yeah. was actually going to be on, um, the on Buster Rhymes' album, his his first album, The Coming, but then it got scrapped because there was a bunch of like disses towards Tupac. Yeah, exactly. And then they they're just there's like yeah, let's not make that any worse than it, it already is. So they just no, scrapped it. But it's I such mean, a it's, great track. It's, oh. Yeah, it's interesting because like um, sort of the narrative in terms of the the Pac Biggie. Uh, battle is that really it was um, it was all Tupac making the disc records and mm-hmm. Biggie sort of s- staying away from that like the only officially released track that um, references the uh, references his be- his beef with with Pac is um, uh, Brooklyn's Finest with Jay-Z on Reasonable Doubt at track mm-hmm. 3 uh, where he says um if Faith had uh, if Faith had twins, she'd probably have two pox. Get it? Two pox. Cause like, um, first off, fuck you. <laughs> um, <laughs> hit him, two pox claims and hit him up that he slept with uh, mm-hmm. uh, Faith Evans, Biggie's wife. Mm-hmm. So um, that is sort of, and I guess who shot you? Depend mm-hmm. depending on if you believe that was recorded prior to or after the shooting. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that bummed out. Dilla because it's like hey you're gonna you're producing a track for Notorious B.A.G. and then it doesn't get on the album yeah like, why, oh, didn't, okay. why can't you just like shut the fuck up about Pac yeah. <laughs> change those lines yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um but, yeah um, Don't, totally and then there's like other names that like sort of like I feel like people don't really consider like other artists that he kind of worked with that um I mean it's pretty well known that he worked with like Ghostface Killer yeah like there's a track on Donuts called "One for Ghost," which is referring to Ghostface Killer, oh, which yeah, I felt, of yeah, that's true. which I felt stupid because I was like, yeah. the first time I listened to it, I was like, "One for Ghost? Who's Ghost?" Like I didn't know <laughs> that was Ghostface Killer. I just thought it was because like all the names on the Donuts tracks are kind of weird, so I was just like, I don't know, maybe you're just a ghost. I don't know. Like I, I felt really dumb when it was like, "Oh, that's a Ghostface Killer beat that he was making," and I was like, "Oh." That makes a lot more sense. Like, I was making up all these stupid yeah, things in my head. Yeah, it makes sense. But yeah, like, I, I guess a lot of people don't... When they think of Dilla, they just kind of think of him, like, in his own... And they... You start to think about all the other artists that he worked with, like Common and Slum Village and Erica Badu and The Roots yeah. and stuff. But then you don't really think of Wu-Tang that much. No, you think about Dilla, but like he no. did, he did stuff with Raekwon, I think, as well. Yeah. yeah, like I don't know, I just feel like people don't talk about Wu Tang and Dilla like in the same bubble. No, and for it's me, like it's like a different, ah, different yeah. sort of universe. But then I guess yeah, yeah. they collided. 
And then obviously like the Janet Jackson remix that he did, which yeah. was like a huge hit. And I'm reading the book. He didn't actually get credit for like his remix, and it wound up being like a huge, huge. Like he kind of blew up, but like he didn't get any like credit for it, which is kind of shitty. But that's messed up, man. That's yeah, really yeah. messed up. Um, yeah, it's the remix to the Q-Tip oh, track, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. I can't remember. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So but what's, um, uh, what's it called again? Um, it's like the. Don't it always seem to go? That track. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but, but I. Uh. Yeah, God Till It's Gone. Yeah. God, yeah, 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 yeah God Till It's Gone. I knew that. Yeah. And then obviously, the biggest name, uh, the, the when I was reading the book, like it didn't really occur to me how these two producers were connected, but like Kanye, like, like based his whole like production style on like Slum Village stuff. Yeah. Like it would, if it wasn't for Dilla, there wouldn't be a Kanye. I really, I believe it. And, and then it's funny saying that because the reason why Dilla was really interested in kind of like flipping all these like soul samples on donuts was because of Kanye because of Kanye so it's like a circular he heard, kind like of he loved uh, like he loved like what is it I'm gonna feel stupid yeah he loved college dropout college dropout yeah yeah, yeah. late registration like cause that was coming out like towards the end of his yeah uh his dropout life. was uh 04 the, yeah and late registration was 05 mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like it, if it wasn't for Dilla's stuff, I don't well, know if Donuts Kanye is two thousand six, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like also funny because it's like Kanye influenced Dilla with that album as well. That's so so it's it's yeah. it's crazy, man. Like I don't know if Donuts would have sounded the way it sounded if it was if Kanye hadn't kind of blown up with his first couple albums, like because that like chop up the soul, you know. To go, and, and then I feel go, like some Kanye of the himself. stuff that um, some of the stuff that. Um, not the ex- like the the sonics of of what um, Dilla was sampling on donuts, uh, like ten cc stuff like dance yeah. like that. They sort of like that seemed to have influenced the sound of later Kanye work as well. Like when he started That's looking true. at King Crimson and like mm-hmm. sort of looking outside of the Motown, mm-hmm. uh, Motown and and Stacks kind of realm and and looking mm-hmm. at other genres as well. So. Yeah, those but guys really like, influence each other, but I I totally agree. Um, there is it's hard, it's hard to imagine that specific Kanye sound, that early Kanye, early career Kanye. I miss the old Kanye sort of mm-hmm. <laughs> sound. Yeah, yeah. Um, to imagine that without there ever having been a Dilla, it's like imagining Illmatic without Rakim. Yeah, it's, kinda, it's yeah. difficult to. Um, it's di- yeah, it's difficult to visualize how mm. that would have came about without that sort of pioneer. And like, I think in 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 the thirty three and the third book, it mentioned like Kanye in an interview said that he would like steal drum sounds off of <laughs> Kanye B tapes or off of Dilla, uh, Dilla tapes all the time. Dilla tapes, yeah. And like then one once uh, and the and the beats of ex- and the drums of Explosive by Dr. Dre. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, he says that on, uh, what is it? Last Call, yeah. Um, he mentions that on the outro thing. Yeah. But then uh, Common's 2005 album 
Is it B? B. Yeah, it's yeah, B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But originally that was going to be all Dilla Beats, but then he was getting sick at the time, so then Kanye kind of took over. Oh, yeah. But there's still, I think there's like two or three tracks that are Dilla Beats on there. And then the rest are Kanye tracks, but that's kind of like a Dilla Kanye collab. That's sort of the that's sort of the uh, the one one project where they really work together. I guess. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, where, yeah. Kind of sort of. It's a very cohesive project. It's mm-hmm. just a it's great funny. album. It's funny too because it's like yeah. Oh yeah, same. But. It's just funny, too, because after reading that and also just doing a bunch of research on Dilla, which most likely won't end because the plan is right now that my doctoral t- dissertation will also probably be on Dilla. Like, I'm just going to keep going down this route. Yeah, that's what but, I did. I started on Tupac for mm-hmm. my, uh, like, the language of Tupac. That was my master's thesis and mm-hmm. ended up being the sort of pilot for my uh, PhD mm-hmm. project, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it actually makes sense because you do a lot of like, like by the time you've finished your master's thesis um, as a scholar, you put so much time and effort in studying the uh, studying the material, mm-hmm. like the, the the literature, the like, and, and and then really the the thesis itself. It it's not like you can put all of that knowledge in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because right now, the plan right now for the thesis is, like, just sampling techniques on Donuts. And even, not even, like, the full album, just, like, a couple tracks. Yeah. Out of, like, 30 tracks on Donuts. Because, like, when I was starting working on this, I was like, I can't do, like, every single track. Because that'll be, like, a bajillion pages. So, I was like, I gotta It would be. Yeah. Yeah, Especially because you don't want to be, like, oh, he sampled this song uh, on this track next track like yeah you want to know but like i could go like several pages on like what exactly like the track glazed is brilliant because it's like just this like weird horn Uh uh-huh like Uh. that's horn blast that's just like repeating and like the first time you listen to it you're like i don't get what's going on but then you like there's that weird sample where it's like these people and they're saying like wake up world wake up world and then you're getting like oh it's like it's like you're like your like mind is like glazed over or something like like there's all this like weird like I feel like listening to Donuts again man I know like there's so much I might just like listen to it before I go to sleep tonight I sound like a (laughs) fucking like I don't know I sound like a pothead or something I'm like dude like it's so deep man like it's so I even had this like theory, which I don't think I'm gonna put in the the actual thesis of like the the key signatures, like yeah. in each track, like are related to each other. Because he there's like all twelve keys in all of the samples, or like in all the samples in Donuts, like all twelve keys are present. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like it does kind of do this sort of like chromatic thing. That like I mean I wrote it out on like a big piece of like sheet music, but it like goes up and down chromatically. Holy fuck! Are you serious? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. part of the donut. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's a loop as well. Well, yeah. The the whole album is. That's but like, even, but yeah, like, the whole idea of like donuts is like that. It's it does, yeah, it's like it starts loop. with the outro and it ends with the intro, so it's like a whole sort of. And this is basically becoming. I realized when I was doing that, that it became like more of a fan theory than actual like academic <laughs> research, because I was like, I mean, I have no idea if that was his, his intent. Because originally, 
Is it does it is it is it like perfect? Not really. Like it just okay. sort of like the basic general shape, and then obviously like I switched octaves in some cases. So I was sure, like, oh, sure. that's hey, well, well, wait. If we put it up here <laughs> in the treble clef, then it kind of like aligns, and it's 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 more of a fan theory than it is like a actual. Because like if I actually put them in the thesis, they're like okay, so like because I have no idea if that was his intention or not, you know. No, you but, don't want um, it to like you don't want to start your thesis off with like uh, like a, an academic like a scientific breakdown of what's what he's doing and end up with yeah. like oh, building six was there were bombs like, in building six. <laughs> <laughs> like um, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia like the whole like Pepe Silvia scene where they're like he's got like the the strings attached to all like the thumbtacks and he's like Pepe Silvia Pepe like it's just gonna be. It would just look like that. I'd just look like a crazy conspiracy theorist, and it wouldn't make any yeah, sort got, of sense. You've got like a, what is it? If you uh, if you're doing your PhD, you got plenty of time to like yeah. <laughs> work out your theory and yeah. 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 But um, yeah, um, <laughs> it, it's interesting too, because the original, because at the time when he was making donuts around like 2005, he was making a bunch of other beat CDs, and they're they're all kind of named after just junk food. Like, I think there was another one called Pizza or Pizza Man or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this, the one that wound up being Donuts originally. Wasn't it like the people called him, why'd you call it Donuts? And he said, I like Donuts. Yeah, he so likes like, Donuts. Yeah, yeah. but I, I it mean, was just kind obviously, of, obviously the Donut, like, that's like a slang for like a 45. Time is the, what is it? Yeah, time yeah. is the donut of the heart? Or yeah, time donut of the heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, originally, time. Originally, the the first edition or the first kind of draft, I guess, of Donuts was only like 20 minutes long. Yeah. And it was literally just like sample flips. That's kind of all it was. But both him and I think Peanut Butter Wolf mm. um, and a few, and like J-Rock and like all the people, the whole of his friends that were kind of like with him in the hospital and stuff, like they were like, this is so cool. This is what you need to release. And they went, so Peanut Butter Wolf, who like went, who's like the head of Stone's Throw. Yeah. Um, like went to their distributor, which I think is like, I don't remember who they're, cause they're owned by like, I think like Warner Music yeah. Group or Universal or I think something. So too, yeah. But he went to their distributor and said like, Hey, we want to release this. And they looked at him like, are you crazy? Like, is this just like 20 minutes of just sample flips? And they're like, we can't sell this. Are you kidding me? Like one, because it wasn't even like the length of a full album and two, the previous Stones Throw release, which was then distributed by like their their big the big wigs or whatever, yeah. was the the JLib collab, oh, in two thousand three, which then flopped like really badly. So they were like, yeah, no, last time we released the Dilla project, it flopped, and this is only like twenty minutes long, and we're not this is no, and then obviously like once he was getting even more sick. I don't I don't remember exactly what it said in the book where it's like. I think they had to just kind of renegotiate, and then he he kind of had to rework a bunch of the tracks and either like make them longer or add more tracks. I think the one for, because I was reading that like I think twenty nine out of thirty one tracks, out of the thirty one tracks on Donuts were actually like made, for in the in the hospital and made for Donuts. Specifically. I think, I don't remember which of the two tracks were made separately. I think it might have been the the Ghostface one. Which yeah. I think was made previously, and he just kind of threw it on there. Which I'm, I'm like, I'm always wondering, like, I wonder how Ghostface feels about that. That like one of the last beats 
ever released is, was meant is for on him. Donut. It was like meant for him, and I'm like, oh, geez. Did he like, ever rap on it? Yeah, it was on his 2007 album, I think. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. True. Yeah, there's a bunch of those donuts beats that ended yeah. up on. Uh, there's uh, there's one of them on the uh, time is on um, on the Roots album. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, yeah, there's a whole uh, instrumental album that the Root, the Roots did called Dilla Joints, and it's all just like yeah. arrangements, and it's so good. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And it's cool too because it's like acoustic. I mean, that's like the perfect match. Like. Oh yeah, totally. Dilla and and the Roots is like the best musicians out there. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. <sighs> but um, I don't know. I've just been listening to a lot of his beat CDs and stuff, and it's just interesting to me, like, just how much he really experimented. And I feel like what he experimented on his beat tapes kind of differed from what was actually like released. I know he was releasing stuff with. A bunch of smaller labels. I know he released a bunch of stuff with uh, this British label. I can't remember, but it was called like Beat Generation. It was like a whole mm. series of, of like instrumental beat CDs that they were doing, and I think there's one that like P Rock did as well. But um, it, it's it's interesting to me too. Um, like he like with some of those beats, it's just like I, I wish I could get could remember specific names and stuff. There really wasn't. At least with the the bootlegs I found, there wasn't any names attached to any of the beats. Really. Oh, it was just like, and yeah. I think any of the, like it was just track one, track two, etc. And then any sort of names that were actually given were just like names from fans. Yeah. Who, who bootlegged him. But, um, uh, I mean, there were times where he would say, there was like a sample of like a Star Trek episode on like mm-hmm. one of the 2002 beat tapes, I think. And there was times where he would do like, Arrange like weird synthy like arrangements of like classical music. Like there's one yeah. of there's one beat that he did of uh, Habanera from Carmen. The like like that whole thing, and it starts out it's like it's like this moog synth bass, but it's like the boom 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 And like when I first heard it, I was like, is this Habanera? Oh shit, he's gonna do Habanera. Oh fuck. And then but it's like the funkiest version of Habanera I've ever heard. Like Awesome. But yeah, he would sample from like classical and from random TV shows and like it just it's interesting kinda how like quirky and random some of his sort of more experimental projects. And he would also like at the beginnings of all these beat tapes, it would he would be like presenting like it would be him saying like jay dillo the first installment you know it'd be him you know not like rapping but just sort of like presenting like okay yeah, yeah, this, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. this is the beat this is the intro this is like an my announcement beats. or something yeah, yeah yeah and i think in 2002 was the first time and one of the beat tapes were the first time where he used the the, the siren sound yeah oh uh, which that, was, that yeah, yeah. became his uh which which guess which? what the it, the original uh, sample is by Mantronics, and the the song is called "King of the Beats." Oh. Uh, so it's almost like this, like fanfare, this like being like, you know, Dilla has arrived. You know, yes, King of like the that. Beats in the building. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Awesome. <sighs> I miss Dilla, man. I miss him, and I've never—I I didn't even ever meet him. So no, and I didn't even 
I don't think I knew about his music it's, until after he died. No, I'm pretty sure I didn't. Well, I mean, I, I must have heard some stuff, but, you know. I think um, it's interesting to me, too, because it, like, he really go with that the book um, by Jordan Ferguson. Um, it really goes into detail, like, shows some aspects of his, his character, I guess, that I didn't know about. Like, he was incredibly impatient. Yeah. And, like... I mean, this was the time before SoundCloud. I'm sure if, if he was around now, he'd just be releasing shit on SoundCloud and Bandcamp just, like, all the time. Yeah. But at that point, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, that really wasn't no, a so thing. Had, and he had to wait. Either had to wait or he, like, he would go to bigger labels and be like, hey, I want to release this. And they'd be like, no, we can't sell this. So then he'd have to go to, like, smaller labels. And then would just release stuff through them. And since he was Dilla, they were like, of course we're going to release it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> He would go, I mean, like, a bunch of, like, smaller, uh, I can't remember remember any names of the labels he worked labels, with. Labels, but... Yeah, yeah, That's even weirder to think about. It's like, okay, if he was alive today, like, what kind of shit would he be releasing, like, on SoundCloud and, <laughs> and Bandcamp and YouTube? Like, that's just, I mean, that's just, you know, a big what if. But, um... But, yeah, I remember there's a story in the book about how one of his beat tapes was kind of going around and Mad Lib got a hold of one of them. Yeah. And obviously Mad Lib was like a huge fan of Dilla and Slum Village and what they were doing at the time. And then in 2002, I think it was Stone's Throw released. It was just like a compilation. It was like Stone's Throw 2002 or whatever. And it was just a bunch of singles from different artists on the label. Mm-hmm. And Mad Lib did a track and it was over a Jay Dilla beat. And he didn't get permission at all. Like, because at that point it had been like five years mm-hmm. since like he found the first beat. And they just sort of used it. And then it didn't even bother to ask Dilla per- permission. And then Dilla, Dilla found out about it. And he was fucking pissed. Yeah. That they like used one of his beats and he like called Peanut Butter Wolf and like just chewed out just chewed him out. Which I don't even want to imagine how that feels getting chewed out by Dilla, but Yeah. <laughs> and eventually because eventually I think that's what led to the the whole Jayla collaboration. Was yeah. it was like, okay, who's this you know this mad lib guy, okay, like let's work together and <laughs> it obviously worked out in the end. But I just that was a weird story. I was like, man, I I, oof, I cannot imagine that. Do you know how many times Donuts is sold? Like, how many copies? I don't know. I don't, I don't know either. It's like, I always wonder, like... I guess it's easy to look up. We could do that now, but... Um, he's such a sort of fan favorite and a critical... He's just like a critic, like the darling of the critics, you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. Um, I just wonder, but then again, yeah, I don't know. Let me look this up. I don't know. Like, I was reading some of the, in, in that book, they mentioned some of the reviews of, I think, like um, Slum Village, Fantastic Volume 2 and stuff. Yeah. There were some nasty reviews about uh, Dilla's rapping skills. Which really? I always thought, like, Dilla was super underrated as a rapper as well. Yeah. They they, There's one critic who said he was like, like a worse you know almost as worse of a rapper slash producer as like um Warren G you know and I was wait, like wait what, Warren what, what what did they say they said he was just as bad of a rapper producer as Warren G 
I, I, I don't like, think well, Warren G's a... Okay. Um, I mean, he's kind of cheesy, but I mean, I don't know. Like, I didn't think it was ever that bad. Well, it's interesting, too, because, like, at the very end of the book, when it starts talking about um, just sort of the whole structure of the album and stuff, like, it straight up mentions, it's like, it's a really weird album. <laughs> like, especially upon the first lesson, like, it's weird. Yeah. Because it's just not what you expect, not only from, I guess, looking at, like, previous popular Dilla Beats, like, it's not exactly what you expect, expect, and then also just from, like, what people consider to be, like, a conventional hip-hop beat or instrumental or whatever it's really it's kind of out of left field you mm-hmm. know it changes all the time and he does weird stuff yeah the sample choices are are odd mm-hmm. um, man I love I think the most underrated track is the factory because it's this weird oh. like synthy robotic it just comes out of nowhere and it's like whoa what is this this is freaky you know what's your favorite or it's, it's, I don't know. If you like, had to choose. Most, oh, like favorite period? Oh, Jesus. Yes. No, 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 no. Favorite track on Donuts. Yeah, uh. I'd have to say. Hmm. I don't know. Based on the ones I'm going to be talking about in my thesis. Um. Oh, I love Don't Cry. Oh, Don't Cry is yeah. absolutely. The pinnacle of how to flip a sample, of how to chop, of how to, like, I mean, I could do a whole lecture about it, about how brilliant that is. There's actually a video I might link in the description of Ninth Wonder doing a lecture and talking about that track specifically. And, like, how it starts out. I, I, I think I've talked about this in, like, a previous episode. I think so, yeah. And, I, and you put it in the example, and I don't want to, like, go into it again. No. But, yeah, that, that track... That and MASH are just, like, the two weirdest that I'm, like, I, or just the most fascinating to me. You know? That's for me, for me, I, my favorite, not necessarily the, the most interesting ones, technically speaking, mm-hmm. on the entire project, but my favorite tracks are Working On It and, oh, yeah, uh, working on it. and, and Time, Donut, and The Heart. Those, it's interesting. I, I just love those so yeah, much. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I just recently got an SPO, yeah. SP404 sampler. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, Looks so cool. And it's not... It's kind of like the big brother of the original... Like, of the SP303 sampler that I think Dilla used mostly on Donuts. Mm. And it's interesting to figure... I don't know, like, the way it's set up and the way it functions as a sampler is, like, a lot... Like, it's completely changed the way how I think about, like, sample flipping and making beats. Because it's, like... How? When it comes to, like resampling and stuff like you don't ever have to use like a sequencer i mean it has like a sequencer on there with like a metronome and you can like uh-huh you know record patterns and stuff but you can also just resample whatever so you could like make put input i'm trying to say this in a way that like makes sense to like listeners yeah and like not get super technical but it's like the way you can use it is by um by re- doing the whole like resample method, which is just like creating your own patterns and not using any sort of metronome. But then by doing that, you kind of get this sort of unquantized feel. Which yeah. Is, which with a lot of Dilla. Yeah, Dilla theory. did. Yeah, there was this recent Vox video which was all about. Exactly. Um, yeah, Estelle Caswell. Yeah. Um, the, what is it, Earworm series? Mm hmm. The Vox oh, Earworm series. Beautiful video. That was, yeah, Vox. It was. 
<sighs> just so good. So good. Um, everything. Animations, exp explanation. Yeah, just really good. Um, yeah, check that out. We'll, we'll link that in the description. Um, get jealous of that content. <laughs> that was great. Um, but yeah, so you're resampling it all the time and that, and it kind of gives you this, yeah. um, and by doing so, like you put, do you mean resampling as in you're playing something and then you're yeah. resampling what you played? Yeah, exactly. So you like, so it's actually really, it's the same technique that like in the sixties, like ping ponging, um, when you had like a four track recorder and once you had all the tracks like full, you needed extra instruments. You'd record over. You'd ping that's pong. That's a very. Huh, you'd ping good... pong like that's what the Beatles did to get yeah. all these like super huh. intricate yeah, late yeah. '60s projects mm -hmm. of theirs. Um, that's an interesting to make that happen because all they had was like a four track or an eight track uh, mm -hmm. recorder. Yeah, yeah. And they had way more tr like, just to give you an idea, like, I guess nowadays producers like you and I just in our bedroom just on our on our yeah, laptops yeah. we have an infinite amount of of tracks yeah, basically yeah. Like, and also what's interesting with the the sample is that you're not looking at a screen no i mean it just it's just this little hardware standalone sampler right and because <laughs> sometimes of the, it's the limitation yeah that exactly drives the creativity i guess now i will sort of demystify sort of the overall impression that a lot of people have on when, when Dylan made donuts because he also had pro tools yeah. at the time and he was using that pretty to like mix and master everything. And I think there yeah, was a couple sure. of tracks where he just kind of like chopped out the sample real quick like on pro tools just cuz he he had his computer in front of him. So it's like there's this sort of this like it almost myth. has become There's like this myth yeah. of him just sitting in front of his NPC PC and, and like you know uh -huh. on his deathbed and it's I mean it's not entirely inaccurate per se but he also I mean I'm also like well he also had Pro Tools so yeah like people and people I, and, and just, just to be clear that that isn't a bad thing oh no it's not a bad <laughs> thing at all it's just like uh, the 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 story of him just with his like sampler. It's just, it's just funny. NPC. It's not entirely accurate. Maybe mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's. I've yeah. I've just seen a, a on either forums on Reddit or or other music forums on like making hip hop subreddit, and just hip hop heads of people like geeking out about Dilla and being yeah. like, man, he you know he was in the hospital and all he had was this, which is true. Like all he had was kind of just this little SP three hundred three and then just like a little Newmark turntable and then a stack of forty fives that. Like, I mean, the way he got all these like records that he sampled from was like he was just a he was just asking for like his friends like J Rock and Peanut Butter Wolf would just like yeah. come with a stack of records that they would grab either from yeah. like the record store or whatever and just be like, you know, check it there out. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See if there's anything for you there. Yeah. Is that um, why the whole sample selection is so eclectic? Maybe because I don't know how much of it was like stuff. That he was like, oh, okay, I, you know, I'm sure. Was with it the, like get me a 10 CC record, or was it like get me stuff? And it might have just been like get me stuff, and they just gave him whatever, yeah, you know, because they were just trying to figure out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. I really, that's the problem. Is it's like there's, there's all these like it's almost become like tall tales, you know. There's all these just sort of rumors of yeah. like how exactly he made the album, and it's like you don't want to get 
too involved in that because I don't know. It's like that was a very sensitive time, and you know, he was basically you know, slowly dying, and you know, you don't want to be like, well, what exactly was he doing with the blah blah? blah. Like I'm always <laughs> afraid. Like I've been wanting to interview someone who was like around, around him, him at the yeah, time, but, but I also hard. don't want to yeah. like, you know, overreach and you know, because I know that's obviously super sensitive. Yeah, to talk about. Yeah, but um, I mean, I know it's crazy too. Thinking about him flipping, going and going into his sickness because he had complications with lupus, um, right, and yeah. also like another disease that it's like a name I can't pronounce. But um, like around that time, he really kind of wanted to get out of the hospital and get out. And I think he went on tour um, to Brazil. Like he took, like I mean, this is like at this point he was so weak, like he was in a wheelchair. Yeah, he was like, "No, I just want to get out and like tour." And I think before that, he did a tour of Europe as well. And there's like a video on YouTube of like it was like Dilla six to eight months before he died, you know. And they brought him up on the wheels. I'm gonna start crying like if I think about it because it's just no. like really emotional. <laughs> yeah, but it was like I mean he's so frail, you know, and like he's getting and he's spitting it and he's rapping, you know, and it was oh. Yeah, I've seen that video. Oh, it's man. Hard, it's yeah. heartbreaking. It's, yeah. it's hard to talk about, it too. Yeah. Like, it's it's tough. And I think I was reading about, like, when he, when he was in Brazil, <laughs> he had to actually, like, fly back to L.A. to the hospital because he got really sick. Yeah. And his, like, hands started swelling up. And, like, that kept happening, like, while he was in the hospital, like, because with his fluids and stuff. like Because he, he kept, I know he had to get, a, like, dialysis a lot. Yeah. Because it, it was mainly, like, problems with his kidneys. And there were times where it was like his hands would swell up really badly. And obviously, like, that put him in a ton of pain. But he was still just, like, you know, kind of... Oh, man. Like, that's... Yeah. He was... he was Just pushing through it. Drumming and like, through the pain. The, oh, man. Yeah. That... Oof. That's... I don't even... I'm just like, holy shit. <laughs> like, I don't even know how to respond. I'm like, damn, that's incredible. Yeah. And also, there was a mention about... How, you know, when he would get visits to the hospital, like, sometimes they would watch movies and just kind of hang out. And there was, I think, a mention of, like, one time they um, they watched Napoleon Dynamite. Like, they're all together. It was, like, him and, I think, Kareem Riggins and J-Rock and stuff, and they're watching Napoleon Dynamite. And for some reason, like, seeing Jay Dilla in my head watching Napoleon Dynamite is, like, a weird... I don't know. I didn't think I would think about those two things <laughs> in the same, like, sentence. And I was just, like, that was, like, really funny to me. I don't know. I was like, oh, that's cool. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so I always forget when I ask you about your thesis that the sort of topic is so intense. Yeah, and it's like, I think it's and then, important. And then, I mean, and that's coming from the guy who's studying Tupac, Tupac's language development well, until I'm reading, the day he died, basically. So, yeah. I'm reading, I'm going back and rereading Justin Williams' uh, Ryman and Steelen book. Oh, and I'm, so I'm going through... Um, the whole topic about like post-mortem sampling uh, with Biggie yeah, and Tupac. Yeah, with Biggie and Tupac. And, the, and all like the, a, all the yeah, reverb yeah. on it, right? Like to make yeah, yeah. it sound like they're in the heavens. And, yeah, yeah. Um, sort of mythologizes them too. Yeah, and it's like yeah. all the stuff you talked about in that, that chapter, like all that can be applied to Dilla. Mm -hmm. And like how he's kind of become this like god of hip-hop beats. You know, just, any producer. You know, there's yeah, that, yeah. the Roots song that I was talking about on, um, where they uh, where where they basically just take the beat for um, time, 
Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's interspersed with like audio recordings of like interview recordings of people talking about how amazing Dilla was. And, mm-hmm. and the backdrop for that is his own beat. It's almost like what you would do if you want to honor, um, if you want to do like a, 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 a like like the rhyming and stealing examples of Biggie and Tupac, but those mm. are rappers. But this is how you do it for a, for a producer. Just like yeah. just listen. To I know, that track. and I I've done this in my own beats. Is like sample the Dilla Siren <clears throat> as just yeah. sort of like a reference. Yeah. Or like the what is it the Joe. Yeah, Joski Love sampled the huh, what? Like that, I never oh, yeah. before. What? And I know a bunch of people have done that. But, but that's almost goes beyond, I mean, that's sort of, sort of like... It's like a... Uh, wink, wink, nod, yeah. nod. Like, hey, this is a Dilla reference. Eh, yeah, you know. I know this. I'm. I... <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's this uh. um, producer that I found. I, I do a lot of just sort of like browsing through the instrumental hip-hop section on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good shit out there. Like, just from, like, kind of underground, I guess you could say, like, just sort of bedroom producers making stuff. And there's this one producer I found... What is he called? I hope I don't... People get mad at me for saying this. <laughs> is he listening? Uh, uh, yeah, there's this producer called The Inexpensive Jew. And he has he has a beat tape called Bagels. Ah! Uh, <laughs> And it's like a tribute to, yeah, to J, J. Dilla's J. Dilla's donuts, but he's the inexpensive juice with bagels. And I was like, <laughs> I just saw that, and I was like, oh shit, I better check that out. And it's obviously it's all just like you know you hear the Dilla siren, but it's like his sort of it's still original beats by him, and he separates himself. You know, obviously it's not just like a shameless ripoff of Dilla beats, but <laughs> I just, that was one of the many tributes that I. I've, I've come across that, and that's kind of one that stuck out. I was like, ah, oh, that's that's cool, but it's like a really fucking solid take. What else? Too, so. What else would? Oh, freaking! What else looks like a bagel or a donut? I don't know. Huh, me either. All right. <laughs> and then obviously, Flying Lotus did a cover of um, on one of his earlier albums of uh, oh. Fall, "Fall in Love." Yeah. Which is the Sun Village track? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is weird to me. Like, I, I've always that always puzzled me. I'm like, well, how does a hip hop cover work? Exactly. It's like, interesting. It There's a few examples yeah. of that, right? It's yeah. Weird. You know, um, on Doggy Style, uh, Snoop covers uh, Lottie Dottie. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. It's not just a sample. It's like a... Mm-hmm. And I think I once got the sort of 20th anniversary edition or something for... It must have been 20th. For uh, um, Straight Outta Compton. And mm-hmm. then the bonus tracks include uh, Fuck the Police, but then Snoop Dogg does it. Oh, that's cool. Or Bone Thugs and Harmony is involved with that as well. Uh, I can't look it up here. Like, the the CD is back in the Netherlands, so <laughs> so I don't know exactly uh, what the track list was. But I, I, I imagine, I, I remember it was uh, Snoop, like, covering... Uh, fuck the police but or it was um, the third track on the album that he mm-hmm. covered I don't remember anyway like those are examples of like 
hip hop covers, but it's all it always works. It's it's weird. Usually rappers change the lyrics too. Know what I mean? Yeah, I think the reason, well, at least when it comes to like a rap cover, yeah, is because it's like, I mean, obviously, like rap lyrics are very personal. Yeah, and it would be really weird. And not covering. necessarily, but yeah, yeah. Like it'd be weird if I if like let's say you did a cover of Kendrick's "All Right." And like obviously, like they say the n word a lot, yeah, well, which you're not gonna say. No. And then also, like just talking about like, I don't know, personal stuff. Like and a lot of his, as well as just with a lot of rappers in general. Yeah, it's kind of like, like you're covering Kim or something like Eminem's Kim. Yeah. And all of a sudden, yeah. like, wait, wait, am I now rapping about? Yeah, and that feels uncomfortable. Murdering Eminem's wife. It's weird. Yeah. I've also seen there's like a ton of covers on YouTube of Rap God, which people do all the time, which you, which because like the whole shtick of that that song is like just how complex his rhymes are and seeing other people be able to do that is you, you know, know that's, and always like that's like one of my ah oh, that really grinds my gears like I really hate that it's like it sort of perpetuates the idea of of rapping just being about like you're a good rapper if you can mimic a difficult flow like I don't I don't oh, I hate I hate it when people do that uh, but it's like like you said like rap got oh I can I can keep up like yeah can you write it though that's the mm. point like can you write that yeah can you write like, and perform it I always thought of it like I've always compared sort of like even, it doesn't even have to be like freestyling, but just with writing raps in general to like jazz improvisation, you mm. know. And it's like when you have a a really good jazz solo, like a good saxophone or trumpet solo, like that's your so like Miles Davis, like his solos, like some of the licks he does on the, the album Kind of Blue, for example, yeah. like those are his licks. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you're into jazz at all, and especially like you know, like really into improv and kind of studying how specific, especially like jazz giants like Miles Davis, like improv, like you know those licks. Yeah. You know those melodies. And if, if someone else like winds up doing those same licks, I mean, sometimes it can yeah. kind of be cool as just like a reference, like, oh, hey, he played a Miles Davis look, that's kind of cool. But yeah, like, that's different. There is... And it's but subtle, if you just do his whole difference. thing, if yeah. you do a whole cover of a... Tra- I mean, it, it functions better as like like an etude or something or like a, you know practice yeah but it, to do like a cover of someone else's solo is kind of weird a little bit like if yeah. you do I mean I know a bunch of people that have, have done covers of like um, John Coltrane Giant Steps but like that's almost like an exercise as opposed to like doing a cover mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. the same goes with I think like if you do like anything I haven't talked that much about Black Alicious that much on this podcast mm-hmm. yeah. and I absolutely love the shit out of Black Alicious like Gift of Gab He's the most underrated rapper ever. Period. Like you can't argue with that with me. Like his <laughs> I'm just not gonna try. Pure, I don't. I don't feel like arguing. virtuosic talent with like plays on words and just flow and everything is brilliant. And like alphabet aerobics, like yeah, is like yeah. ju- such a sick song and it just yeah. like shows off like how just pure skill with like wordplay and flow and everything. I'm trying to remember what my point was, other than just to geek out about 
<laughs> we were Black-licious. talking about uh, mimicking people's oh yeah uh, licks and like let's say uh, you use that as like an exercise like trying to learn all the lyrics to alphabet yeah. aerobics like yeah. that's a really good exercise but if you do like a cover I mean I know I think it was um who was it Daniel Radcliffe did a cover on Jimmy Fallon oh of yeah aerobics and it was like pretty damn impressive I was like oh shit he did it too like that's yeah sure. You know what but, like, really that's... pisses me off? What? Ah, uh, this happens so fucking often. Um, this lame-ass fucking indie rock band or something, whatever, singer-songwriter, even worse, they, like, they hear a fucking rap song, and they're like, oh, let me cover that. And all of a sudden, they, like, fuck up the rhythms, and, like, let's make it sensitive. I Remember know, that? Was it was it? this... Belgian singer who did like the 50 Cent cover is like um, mm. his name was Milo and he covered AO Technology but he made it like a sort of acoustic ballad who's the it was yeah so fucking lame or Heartless by by Kanye has been covered like by the Frey though I think there's a bunch of covers oh, I hated those all of those like come on <sighs> yeah there's a cover of boys in the hood by um this band dynamite hack it's like this acoustic cover and it's i mean it's supposed to be like funny like yeah but that's different but like there's some of those that are taking themselves so seriously and what always pisses me off is what really pisses me off is the people that always hate hip-hop or they Mm -hmm. hate kanye or something and then this song comes, uh, like a, a cover of the song comes on, and they're like, "Oh, this is so beautiful. This is so amazing. Oh, like get the, f- it's the same damn song, but this is a poor rendition of it." <laughs> Just- one time, okay, one time I was at this bar. Um. All right, so, yeah, Dilla. Whew, I'm looking forward to reading your thesis. That's yeah. Um. I, I really could talk am. about it. All day, every day. And yeah, I, I, I know. And every once in a while, for the podcast, you, you've I'll had just your ask. geeking out about Eminem for long enough, so I exactly. feel like it's only fair. Yeah, now. I mean, it was almost becoming the Eminem Dilla podcast, and now yeah, it's yeah. like Eminem Dilla again. Like they're yeah. they're equals. <laughs> yeah. I know we can call this episode uh, "Geek Down," <laughs> which is a. Yeah, that's a track on donuts, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, geek down. That's a good title. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's really a struggle, though. Like the first two episodes, we uh, decided to quote rap lyrics, mm-hmm. and uh, and ever since we we've been sticking with that. But um, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be. I mean, there's been a with the Christmas special. I was just like Christmas special. Yeah, but that was a, that was a that was a special. That was yeah. that wasn't a regular episode. Yeah. All the other ones are quotes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Oof. So and we, we uh, I don't know if we want to mention this now, but we have a very exciting event coming soon during spring break. Yes. Well, didn't we know. sort of talk about this already? I guess on we the sort Shaw of did, episode? but it's like kind of official now. I guess. I guess. It's like yeah. I got a plane ticket and everything, but like we're gonna actually do a whole episode or string of episodes like together. 
Like oh in the same God. room. Exactly. That's never happened before. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I guess people, like, most of our listeners realize this, but um, we've never been closer than a, the, at least one time zone away from each other while recording yeah. this. Most of the time it was seven. No, yeah. actually, it wasn't. At the start, it was seven. <laughs> then I got to New York. It was uh, one mm. hour. It's going to be two. Uh, yeah, that'll be, but, I'll be two but, hours ahead of you. and then Yeah, that's the first time. You'll be ahead of me. Uh, maybe some live, but at least we're going to do face-to-face recording. So I wonder what that's like, man. It's going to be dope. Yeah, we'll do some video stuff. Oh. We'll put it on our Facebook, maybe. Yeah, we're going to... Or on our YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. We, we have a YouTube channel that we it. don't yet really use yeah, yeah, at yeah. all. Um, but we will. We will soon. Mm-hmm. Definitely uh, for that trip. So, yeah. Um, stay tuned. Yeah, right? yeah. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to We're subscribe on, on exactly. iTunes, Stitcher, Stitcher Mixcloud. Uh, Mixcloud. Obviously, check, check us out, out on our website, kickknowledgepodcast.com. Uh, we're on social media, of course. Like us on Facebook, Kick Knowledge Podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter, yeah. um, at Kick. Wait, what is it? Kick Lower Dash Knowledge? Yes. Yes. I keep for, I, made the, I made the handle. I should know. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and we're on Instagram too. Yeah, we're on Instagram, uh, and on Instagram we have a different name because some asshole already stole our beautiful kick lower dash knowledge. Once we get money, we'll just buy them out, Zach. We'll yeah, just buy yeah. them out. We'll get the That's same make, handle. Making the big bucks, yeah. Yes, but it's kick lower dash knowledge lower dash podcast on uh, uh, on Instagram, and yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, stay tuned to um, hear more about uh, Zach's project on Jay Dilla, to hear more about my project on regional variation in African-American English and hip-hop and rap flows and all this stuff that we like to talk about. And uh, and we're, we can't spill the beans on this yet, but we've got some inter- very, very special uh, guests coming on the show pretty soon, hopefully. So, um, yeah. Man, I hate not saying it. I'm so yeah, excited. Yeah, well, oh. it's, let's not jinx it. Uh. Um, but some, some cool stuff's about to happen. All right, guys. Yeah. Uh, peace. All right, peace.